0: Today on Cross Defense, we go back into Peeper's dogmatics. I'll introduce you to a little bit more about the guy, if you don't know who Francis Pieper is, from Concordia Historical Institute, wonderful resource, and then we'll talk about orthodoxy, heterodoxy, and unionism, how that's prohibited by God's word, and those who hold to God's word are actually loving when they reject falsehood and hold to truth. All of that and more is coming up in this episode of Cross Defense. Welcome back to another episode of Cross Defense. I am your host, the Reverend Tyrell Bramwell, pastor of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Ferndale, California. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. That is the aim of KFUO Radio. And the aim of this show, Cross Defense, is to equip your mind, excite your imagination, and comfort your soul all with God's word. That's what we aim to do, using both the law and the gospel to get that job done. Convicting consciences and comforting consciences and putting out truth. Truth. As you might be able to tell if you're looking at or considering the title of this show, Cross Defense, this show originated as an apologetics show here on KFUO Radio, and that is what we do every single week, although you may not realize it. We are giving you uh, information, equipping you to make a good defense for the reason, for the hope that you have within you. All apologetics isn't defending creationism versus evolution and things like this. Apologetics is being able to articulate why you believe and on various topics when things come up that you can articulate to your neighbors why it is that you believe in Christ, why it is that you hold the doctrines of the church that are coming from Scripture alone. That's what we do here at Cross Defense. And that's what the Missouri Synod does everywhere you find one of our churches. That's what the Christian church, Catholic, small c, the universal, one true Christian church, that's what you do there. That's what you find there. That's what we're all about. In this time and in all times prior. And until the Lord returns, however long that may be, Today on the show, we're actually going to continue the conversation on division. Now, I know I said uh, before the week the week before last, I said that we were drawing that conversation to a close, but I uh, was doing some more reading in preparation for my own situation. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, and I just thought, okay, this, I got to share this with all those who listen to cross defense. they They got to hear this. They're probably not reading this for themselves. So we are going to go back into Peeper's Dogmatics, which many of you are familiar with. Some of you probably wonder why I read from Christian Dogmatics so much. And so I'm going to explain that in just a moment. But we did have this conversation going on in the past. And I I want to point out to you, just real quick, that if you listen to cross defense, I know it's one hour every week. And so, you know, you go seven days in between, but all the shows really are uh, part of a narrative. Right? You can track my, my brain's wavelength if you're listening to the shows. If you're binge listening to this show, you can, you can hear the correlation between the shows. You're definitely going to pick it up uh, starting in October 8th as we have the uh, division in the church episode there. And we did go to Peeper, and we went to CFW Walther to articulate uh, our what we're trying to say there on the one source of division. That is the rejection of Scripture alone as our uh, our source for doctrine. And then we went into First Clement. We spent two weeks looking at First Clement on division and the love language, combat and love, repentance, and this sort of thing. We're going to come back to that and that's really uh, where I pivoted back after last week's Halloween episode. We're coming back to this division because there's a misunderstanding in love and I want to dwell on that for a little while. There's also a misunderstanding of what it means to be faithful in the church, orthodox. Again, small O, not the denomination, not the the branch of Christendom, the orthodox church, but orthodoxy as opposed to heterodoxy. And that's what we want to talk about. Before we get to that, hold on to that. If you're wondering about Francis Pieper, why does Pastor Bramwell bring up Francis Pieper so much? Why does he go to... Christian dogmatics so much? Well, because one, Francis Pieper was writing in a time before ours. He was the fourth president of the Missouri Synod from 1899 to, to 1911. He died in 1931. He was born in 1852. This man lived in a different era, what you might call modernism, the rise of modernism. Uh, he, he lived in an era before our pre our, our presuppositions, our biases, before the postmodern relativity that we experience all the time. And this is why we always refer back to the theologians of ages past, whether we're talking about Augustine or Luther, Walther, Pieper, C.S. Lewis, all these guys. The reason we reference them is because they help us see through our own blind spots. They help us see through our own presuppositions and biases. biases They help us see clearly, and they help us identify where we're reading into the Bible, into the text, eisegesis, and, and, and avoid that because we don't want to get caught in that trap of reading our own biases into the text. We want the Bible. We want God to speak for himself, to tell us what he's telling us. And not to cloud that through our own lens of what we want it to say. And that is, I think, no more important than in any other time in history than right now. Because we are such an upside down world. At least in the West. Can't speak for all the corners of the world. Many of the parts of the world, I'm thinking Africa and South America, different areas, are are much more grounded in reality than we are. We are so upside down and backwards, calling evil good and good evil, bitter sweet and sweet bitter. And so when we go to the old guys, the the, the dead guys, we can see how they read the text and we can go all the way through church history and we we can see a consensus and it helps us identify our errors. It helps us identify where we're going wrong. It also helps us guard and defend against false prophets and false teachers and false ideas coming into our brains and into our hearts from the culture. So Francis Pieper, this is coming from the Concordia Historical Institute. You can go to concordiahistoricalinstitute.org slash presidents slash president dash (laughs) Pieper or just follow the link that I'll put in the show notes. Francis Paper immigrated to the U.S. in 1870. Five years later, he graduated from Concordia Seminary, St. Louis, one of our two uh, seminaries. He was ordained in 1875. In 1903, he received an honorary doctor of divinity degree from Northwestern College in Watertown, Wisconsin, and an honorary theological degree from Luther College in Decorah, Iowa. Pieper served as a pastor in Centerville for one year before accepting a call to Manitowoc. I don't know how to say that. On the 2nd of January, 1877, he married his wife in Sheboygan. (laughs) Yeah, Sheboygan. He served there until 1878 in Manitowoc. Sorry, guys, if you live there and I don't know how to say the name of your town. When he became a professor at Concordia Seminary, St. Louis. In 1887, he became the seminary's president. From 1882 to 1899, Pieper served on the board of colored missions for the synodical conference. He was the synod's president from 1899 to 1911. And he was also, and for our purposes most importantly, the author of Christian Dogmatics, a three-volume set that lays out the Christian doctrine in a very clear and understandable way. One important thing about why we go to Pieper so much is that your pastor used his works to understand, as a textbook, to understand how to teach scripture, how to articulate, how to divide and categorize and, and work with the text and the different doctrines that we have. So it is a very foundational for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. So all of that is important. Now you know a little bit about Francis Pieper, if you didn't know before, And if you want to know more, you can at least uh, start by going to the Concordia Historical Institute. I love uh, highlighting for you some of the resources that we have as Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Christians. We have a wonderful uh, collection of resources at your disposal. Okay, so let's get into the heart of the show. We're nine minutes in, and I've explained to you already the the heart, (laughs) literally the heart of why I want to talk about this. I want to talk about what we do as faithful Christians when faced with a difference between orthodoxy and heterodoxy. So again, we're talking division in the church. And I'm going to do, the for the rest of the show, I'm going to do a lot of reading from Peeper's Dogmatics, Volume 3, on the the category of the Christian church, and the section Orthodox and Heterodox Churches. And then we will go to the section, most importantly for uh, many of us, church fellowship with heterodox churches, known as unionism and how it's prohibited by God. we got a few more minutes before we break for our first uh, break, before we go to our first break. And uh, for the next two segments and what's remaining of this one, we're going to look at peeper and, and understand that those who are, are fighting for faithfulness, who demand that we live according to Scripture, they are not the unloving ones. It's those who are trying to mingle and compromise and, and uh, be soft with the truth, they're the ones who are being unloving. So to start with that, we want to go to um, orthodox and heterodox churches, and this is what the good reverend Pieper has to say. Congregations and church bodies must be divided into two classes according to their public doctrine. It is God's will and command that in his church, his word be preached and believed in purity and truth without adulteration. In God's church, nobody should utter his own, but only God's word, 1 Peter 4.11. See, you don't go to church to hear your pastor's word, not Pastor Smith or Pastor Jones or Pastor Bramwell's word. You go to hear God's word. Your pastor is nothing more than the mouthpiece for God. He is not there to come up with his own thoughts, to come up with his own his own teaching. He is there to simply echo what scripture teaches. And if he's an ordained pastor, you should be able to trust that he holds to what scripture teaches, that he believes it for himself. Otherwise, he should not be in the pulpit preaching it. He should not be a hypocrite. But unfortunately, there are wolves in sheep's clothing. Chaff and wheat do not belong together. All teaching otherwise is strictly forbidden. 1 Timothy 1 3 As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went to Macedonia, that thou might, mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. No other doctrine. Now I'm reading. Uh, straight out of Peeper, So, the English translation I'm using is a little bit dated compared to yours, probably. It's not the ESV, so it has some of the these and thous and things like that. So, don't let that distract you. It is important to point out again, Pieper says, and again, that in all scripture there is not a single text permitting a teacher to deviate from the word of God or granting a child of God license to fraternize with a teacher who deviates from the word of God. Let me repeat that. It is important to point out again and again that in all scripture, there is not a single text permitting a teacher to deviate from the word of God or granting a child of God license to fraternize with a teacher who deviates from the word of God. We are to avoid false teachers. God is against the prophets who proclaim their own dreams Jeremiah twenty three thirty one and following. And all Christians, without exception, are commanded to avoid such teachers. And there he cites Romans sixteen seventeen and 1 Timothy six three. Let's, let's pull that up and take a look at those texts, shall we? Romans sixteen seventeen says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. So once you know a teacher is teaching falsely, once you know there is bad juju going on in that church, stay away from it. Avoid it. This is is the instruction from the apostles. First Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, if anyone teaches a different doctrine, and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, we are to avoid him. We are to avoid him. The distinction between orthodox and heterodox church bodies, Reverend Pieper says, and congregations is based on this divine order. A congregation or church body which abides by God's order in which, therefore, God's word is taught in its purity and the sacraments administered according to the divine institution is properly called an orthodox church. Ecclesia orthodoxica, pura. But a congregation or church body, which, in spite of the divine order, tolerates false doctrine in its midst, is properly called a heterodox church. Ecclesia heterodoxica impura. All children of God should be earnestly concerned to see how real and serious this difference between the church bodies is, because indifference as to the Christian doctrine is rampant today among professed Christians, and the abrogation of creeds and substitution for them of a so-called applied Christianity is represented as the goal the church should strive for (laughs) already in Peeper's day. Okay. We're up to our first break. Hang with us a second. We'll be right back for more from Francis Pieper on Orthodox and Heterodox Churches. We're building up toward understanding why we reject unionism. We'll be right back. Each weekday on The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah, we share and discuss stories of living boldly Lutheran. Including missionary updates, mercy work, events and topics applicable to your daily vocations, and maybe some fresh dark roast. The Coffee Hour weekdays at 9 a.m. on KFUO, underwritten by Concordia University, Wisconsin. Francis Paper says, with regard to the orthodox character of a church body, note well, one, a church body is orthodox only if the true doctrine, as we have it in the Augsburg Confession and the other Lutheran symbols, the other Lutheran confessions found in the Book of Concord, is actually taught in its pulpits and its publications, and not merely officially quote-unquote professed. As its faith. You can't say, well, oh, this is what we officially hold to, but what we're what's being publicly preached and, and publicized and published is something different. We are not to be in fellowship with Ecclesia Heterodoxica Impura, as Peter said in the Latin. So to say, oh yeah, we're Missouri Synod, but then to go ahead and do false things publicly, repeatedly, and without repentance is wrong. Not the official doctrine, Pieper says, but the actual teaching determines the character of a church body because Christ enjoins that all things whatsoever he has commanded his disciples should actually be taught and not merely acknowledged in an official document as the correct doctrine. So, it's not enough just to put down on paper an official doctrine. You got to actually live it out. You got to have Christian integrity. You got to do what is right day in and day out from a humble, repentant spirit, letting Scripture norm your teaching. And then that thing you put down on paper to define who you are is true because it's actually who you are. Two church body does not forfeit its orthodox character by reason of the casual intrusion of false doctrine that's important to note the thing which the apostle paul told the elders of ephesus quote also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them acts 20 30 came true not only in the apostolic church, but also in the church of the Reformation and will occur in the church to the last day. A church body loses its orthodoxy only when it no longer applies Romans 16, 17, as we already read. Hence, does not combat and eventually remove the false doctrine, but tolerates it without reproof and thus actually grants it equal right with the truth. You hear that? That's what makes a church false in its conduct as an Orthodox church. If it is tolerating false doctrine as if it's equal with right doctrine. It's not the casual slip into false doctrine. It's not your your pastor making a mistake on a Sunday or a slip of the tongue or even uh, not fully understanding something when it's being taught or, or uh, you know, accidentally writing something wrong or, or whatever, those things are all handleable. The faithful man will repent of them immediately. This is what Luther says. We just got done with Reformation Sunday, right? This is what Luther says when he stands up against the Pope and the, the, the Holy Roman Emperor. And he says, I cannot recant of my writings, my publications, my teachings, because they're all bound by scripture. If you can show me from scripture where they're wrong, I will joyfully burn those books I will repent of all those false teachings immediately. Now, I'm paraphrasing. (laughs) But this is the point of the faithful, reformation-minded reverend. We don't want to be teaching falsely. When we protect false doctrine, and we call it love, to walk with our neighbor, to slowly bring them along. When we give that false doctrine equal hearing with true doctrine, that. That is just no longer combating evil. That is no longer doing what we read about in Ephesus, in the, yeah, in Ephesus through the book of Revelation, the pastor in Ephesus who is rightly testing the spirits and, and guarding his people against false doctrine. That's what the church read 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, all the writings of Paul. Re, re, the New Testament is constantly saying to be on guard against false teachers. But somehow, in our current day and age, we are of the impression that that means uh, theoretically or ideologically or perhaps on paper, but in real life, we all just get along to get along and we agree to disagree and we have joint fellowship here and joint fellowship there and we're all just... No, we're not supposed to do that. that. There's a reason we're different. And we want to work toward unity in truth, not just in appearance. We call, back to people. we call heterodox church bodies both churches and sects, depending on whether we have in mind the good or the evil in them. Note that. So when we refer to a church body as a sect, that's a bad thing. When we refer to a church body as a church, that's a good thing. Churches, they are insofar as they still retain enough of the gospel of Christ That men can come to faith in Christ and thus can become true children of God. Sex, they are, insofar as they have combined to further their deviations from the doctrine of Christ and thus cause divisions in the church and by their errors and separate existence constantly threaten the faith of the children of God. That That is the definition of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America and so many others so many other progressive churches. They are sects. They, are, they have deviated from the word of God. They have deviated from what Christ teaches. And they are leading people astray. Now moving on to section four here, which Peter refers to as children of God in heterodox churches. Though God desires that all congregations be orthodox, and though all heterodox communions exist only by, by God's sufferance, and contrary to God's gracious will. Still, it is a fact that also in the heterodox communions, there are believing children of God. This is what we talked about in the first episode. I think it was back in October 8th. Don't quote me on that. But when we talked about Pieper and Walther and the source of division, and from Walther, I pointed out that there can be Christians in heterodox churches. This is what Pieper's talking about right now here. The term Christians, quote-unquote, covers a wider field than the term Orthodox Christians. And we're getting into the particulars, and this is a sad state affair that we have to use this language. We would like Christian to define only those who are Orthodox. Just like we would love to not have to use the title Lutheran in our church body name, but merely Christian. But because there are so many different churches carrying the name of Christ with them, for clarity's sake, so that those who hear us know what we're saying, we use these subtitles and these narrow terms to be clear in our confession and in our articulation of the truth. Though Christ denies, Peter says, to the Samaritan church the right of existence as a separate church organization, John 4.22, still he repeatedly acknowledged individual Samaritans as true children of God, Luke 17, 16 and following, and Luke 10, 33. So you can be a Christian in a heterodox church, and as Walther said, you shouldn't stay there, you should run from that and flee from that as fast as you can and find an orthodox Christian church, but the, the heterodox church itself does not have permission to continue to exist in its heterodoxy. The Lord is gracious to the individual, but to that organization, mm, no, because they are twisting and perverting his word. Luther, too, never thought of making the Orthodox Church the Lutheran Church, coextensive with the Una Sancta, the one sanctified church. Vigorously Luther fights against the papacy and expressly declares it an institution of Satan. He nevertheless does not doubt that God has at all times under the papacy preserved for himself a church. Yes, the elite of the Christians. Again, earnestly, as Luther fights against Karlstadt and Zwingli and their collaborators, those who will become the the radical reformers who will give birth to the reformed church, all the different denominations that we have coming out of the reformed tradition, their collaborators, for their deviation from God's word. He nevertheless, nevertheless, grants that there were also true children of God who, ignorant of the evil they were thus supporting, made common cause with these pseudo-reformers. Again, you can have Christians in heterodox churches. That does not mean heterodox. Churches are good. It means God is gracious and he's preserving those souls even despite the evil that is all around them in their church body. Woe to the preachers, woe to the form- founders, the formers of those churches, for they have become teachers and as James says, the teachers will be judged more sternly. Grace to the hearer, beware, teacher. Likewise, our older Lutheran dogmaticians, zealots for orthodoxy, though they were, nevertheless decidedly rejected identification of the Una Sancta Ecclesia, the one true church, with the Orthodox Lutheran Church. They taught, if a person sincerely clings to the cardinal doctrine of the Christian faith, if he believes that God is gracious to him because of Christ's satisfactio vicaria, vicarious satisfaction, his death on the cross in your place, he is a member of the Christian church. No matter in which ecclesiastical camp he may be. Think in terms of mere Christianity from C.S. Lewis. By denying this truth, one would overthrow the cardinal doctrine of the Christian faith, the article of justification. Walther, according to Romans 3.28 and Acts 4.12 says, the unconditional and sole requirement for salvation is fellowship with Christ through faith. That doesn't, doesn't matter, doesn't determined by which church you hear that from, by which pastor. If you are hearing Christ crucified for the forgiveness of your sins, you are a Christian, even if you are hearing it from a church that in all other ways is getting it wrong. Again, Walther says you shouldn't be comfortable staying there if you can identify the evils, even though you are receiving the truth, because you're receiving it despite what's being taught. Every dog has his day. Even a broken clock is right two times a day, that kind of thing. The maxim, outside the church, there is no salvation. He who has not the church on earth for his mother has not God in heaven for his father. Is true only in this sense that outside the invisible church, not the visible church, the invisible church, there is no salvation and no state of grace. It has only this meaning that there is, is no salvation outside of Christ. Pause right here for a second. You may not understand what's going on here, but the Roman Catholic Church teaches that there's no salvation outside of the Roman Catholic Church. And that's what this language of una sancta, one sanctified ecclesia, church, means. Lutherans and and many faithful churches don't say that. Faithful pastors aren't going to say, well, you you can only be a card-carrying member of the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod. That's why I hate that phrase, not growing up in the Lutheran Church and hearing that as I entered in. I hate that phrase because it, it gives us the impression that the Lutheran Church actually has people within it that teach this una sancta, visibly, that you have to be a member of the Missouri Synod. No one in the Missouri Synod has ever taught that. No faithful pastors have. Not on purpose. Maybe they've misspoken. But again, as we already heard, that doesn't Mean their false teaching, that just means they slipped up. But the church as a whole has never taught that you have to be a card-carrying member of the Lutheran Church of Missouri Senate to go to heaven, that you're only going to find Missouri Synod Lutherans in heaven. That's, that's a false, it's a straw man. That's what that is. That's a straw man. That's a false understanding of what it is we're teaching. What we're teaching is we strive for perfection, purity, pura, in our teaching, so that our hearers can be rest assured they will be in heaven, that they know they have been saved. We don't want to mingle the truth with impurity and bring in doubt. But that's why you can be proud, joyful about being a faithful Orthodox Christian in a faithful Orthodox Christian church, a church that strives to get it all right. Do we have it all right? Maybe not. We are sinners after all and the way we carry out ourselves can can mistakenly be wrong right but we are to repent when we when we realize that we are open to be to being called to recant our false teaching and to repent that's a faithful church those are faithful pastors but the una sancta ecclesia the one true church their salvation only in the one true church is true in the sense of the invisible church. We're not talking about the visible church that is full of both hypocrites and faithful people, and we don't know because we can't see inside their hearts. We're talking about the invisible church that only God can see, and that is true. If you want to go to heaven, you have to be a part of the invisible church, and that is what people are saying. That is to say there is no salvation outside of Christ. For whoever is not in inward fellowship with the believers and saints is not in fellowship with Christ either. On the other hand, whoever is in fellowship with Christ is in fellowship also with all those in whom Christ dwells, that is, with the invisible church. Accordingly, he who restricts salvation to fellowship with any visible church, therewith overthrows the article of the justification of a poor sinner in the sight of God by faith alone in Christ Jesus. This is Walther still quoting. Sorry, I said it was Peeper. It's Walther. Let me re-say that so you can hear it again in clarity. He who restricts salvation to fellowship with any visible church Therewith overthrows the article of the justification of a poor sinner in the sight of God by faith alone in Christ. It's not your membership in the Missouri Synod that saves you. It's your faith in Christ Jesus. You are a member of the Missouri Synod because you're hearing the teaching and you're comparing it to the scripture and you're saying, this is faithful. And therefore, you are being fed rightly. If you're attending a Missouri Synod church that is not teaching you faithfully, If you're attending a Missouri Synod church that is in unionism with an ELCA church, you are running the risk of not hearing the justification of your sins through Christ alone. You are running the risk of hearing different teachings that have moved beyond the cross, as if such a thing could ever happen, and being fed a bunch of lies, demonic and false, as if it was Jesus his teaching. Hopefully that's as clear as mud. (laughs) Okay, so let's take a break. We'll come back and we're going to deal with unionism. The next part here in Peeper's Dogmatics. Thanks for listening to Cross Defense. We'll be right back. Martin Luther wrote in his small catechism, as the head of the family should teach them in a simple way to his household, he reminded the church then and today to learn by heart the basics of the word of God and the gospel. I'm Pastor Brady Finner, host of Concord Matters. Beginning September 24th, join me as we get back to the basics with the six chief parts. Grab your catechism and be ready for a simple, theologically rich study with lots of Jesus. Saturday mornings at 10 on KFUO and on demand at KFUO.org. The KFUO radio app and anywhere you get podcasts. Welcome back to our final segment of Cross Defense, and I don't know if you know this, but maybe you've figured it out by listening to previous episodes. I like to save the best content for last, or to say it another way, I like to build up to the point of the show. So if you've only listened to the first two segments and you clicked away or you turned the dial on your radio, man, you're missing the meat of it. You're missing the whole point. So if you're still here, if you can still hear my voice, you're about to get the goods. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to Cross Defense, and thanks for hanging with me for the last 40 minutes or so. Now here we go. We're going to talk about unionism. That's church fellowship from an orthodox church with a heterodox church, and how it's prohibited by God. It's not allowed by God's Word to be in unionism, to be acting as if we're united when we're not. So I get here in Ferndale, we get all kinds of... Uh, pressure every Thanksgiving and every uh, summer for vacation Bible school and these sorts of things to to do joint community services, divine services, joint worship services with the community church, the Roman Catholic Church, the ELCA church, and in days past, they're no longer really in existence, the Episcopal Church and Methodist Church and things like that. And unfortunately, St. Mark's has participated in that in, in years past with former pastors doing joint vacation Bible schools and joint worship services, and that's just, that's not, it's not good, man. It's not good. And so now that we're holding to truth, we get some backlash. But what we want to understand is we can't do that. Out of love for our neighbor, we can't give the impression to our neighbors, to the world that we're we're in unity when we're not. We can't let the appearance of something be contrary to the truth of something. It's called integrity, honesty. As 1 John 3.18 says, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. We want our walk to match our talk. We want to hold to the right words. We want to hold to the right talk, the right speech, the right proclaiming of God's word. But we also want to carry that out with us beyond Sunday. We want to live it out. You, dear Christian, you want to live out your faith. It's not just a concept you hold in your heart, but you never let out and you never show to the world. In fact, we need to show the world our faith all the time. You are a bond servant of Christ. Who cares what the world thinks of you? Care about what God thinks of you. And if you're interested in more of that, you can go tune in to, uh, I do a video version of my newsletter for my members every month. You can go to my YouTube page where I think KFUO includes on the bottom of my little bio. And you can check out my YouTube channel and you can listen to what I'm saying about perception from the world and from God and how as Christians, we're not to care about what the world thinks. And that's going to come into play in just a minute because it's perceived as unloving to to not want to be in fellowship with With heterodox churches the the world's perception the the natural man's perception of this is that those of us who are not in fellowship with others that are keeping truth in play we're perceived as being unloving where those who are mingling the truth with false doctrine they're perceived as loving according to the world like i said good is bad bad is good everything's upside down so pay attention to that. This is how Pieper's going to start off this section right now. He actually says, it's common knowledge in his day. It's common knowledge that the presence of children of God in heterodox churches is urged, is proposed, it's advocated to prove that it's right, that it's even demanded by charity, by agape love, to fellowship with heterodox churches. So already in, in Pieper's day, it was, it was proposed as evidence why we should mingle truth and falsehood together, because there's, there's some Christians in those churches. Yes, there is. But now let's hear the rest of this. This is the exact opposite. Peeper, I love peeper. It's the exact opposite of what Scripture teaches. For Scripture says, avoid them. Romans 16, 17, we've already cited that today. 1 Timothy 6, 3, we looked at that as well. 2 John 10 and 11. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, the the faithful biblical Christian teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him anything. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. All of the New Testament is telling us to be on guard and, and aware of and avoid false teachers. Not to be in unionism with them. The argument of unionists, Pieper says, is contrary even to natural reason. That's common sense. The old Lutheran teachers point out Second uh, Samuel 15.11 as an illustration. Just as the fact that 200 citizens of Jerusalem in their ignorance joined Absalom did not give the rest of Israel the right to desert their king and join the rebels, nor even to connive at the rebellion. So the circumstance that some Christians from ignorance and contrary to God's orders follow false teachers does not give license to other Christians to do the same thing. This is the age-old parental adage. If everyone else was jumping off the bridge, would you too? Just because all your friends are doing it doesn't mean you do it. (laughs) And you just thought that was just some cliche that parents say. No, it's biblical. Just because 200 citizens of Jerusalem in their ignorance, joined Absalom, did not give the rest of Israel the right to desert their king and join the rebels. You can't just claim, well, everyone else is okay with it. Why can't I be? No. You see wayward activity. It doesn't mean you're allowed to join it. It means you're supposed to hold the line, pray for that ignorant Christian. Thank God that he is ignorant enough to, to be able to be saved, even though he's immersed in the heterodoxy, and pray for him to come out of it, that his soul wouldn't be in jeopardy. The paper continues to say that love, pay attention to this, my friends, demands such a practice as unionism, is a misuse of that word, the word love. This is the word we're always misusing today in our culture. No one knows what love means in the secular world and in the progressive churches. Love of God, Pieper says, and love of the brethren rather requires the opposite practice of unionism. He who loves Christ loves Christ's word and Christ commands us to avoid all who teach anything that is contrary to his word. And whoever really loves the brethren refuses to participate in their erring and sinning, seeking rather to deliver them from error and from sin. Moreover, Pieper says, the scriptures of both the Old and the New Testament state explicitly that God permits false teachers to arise in order that Christians may show their obedience by avoiding them. Not in order that Christians may fraternize with them. You hear that? The very reason the Lord permits false teachers to arise is so that we can say no and we can proclaim to the world a right confession. When we actually say yes, and we co-mingle the truth with the lie for decades or even for a day. We are missing what God has put up for us to do. We're missing the opportunity to confess before the world the truth. And you know why we do this? So often we do this because we're trying to avoid suffering. We don't want to be the ones who cause suffering from the human perspective or who have to endure it. So we use fancy language, we use biblical language. We talk about patience, love, grace. We're doing that deceptively to avoid having to actually live out the faith in deed and in truth. We're just holding the word and talk. That's hypocrisy. That's lies. That's falsehood. Now, Piper points out two Bible verses Three Bible verses, excuse me, and I want to read them to you right now. Deuteronomy 13.3. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And how about Deuteronomy 8.2? And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. We too still have these tests. So the Lord can present to us an opportunity to, to show what is right within our hearts, whether we're keeping his faith in the faith in the word and now from the New Testament. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. This is why the Lord allows false teachers so that those who are teaching rightly would have something to be contrasted against. (laughs) When we join in unionism, we're trying to, to blur the contrast the sharp distinction between light and darkness, black and white. We're trying to gray it out. That's unfaithful. That's not right. If Christians, Pieper says, against the divine prohibition, fellowship with false teachers and tolerate false doctrines, they commit the sin which the church calls unionism or syncretism. As a matter of fact, he says, this unionism divides the church and gives rise to heterodox churches in Christendom. Had the Christians always obeyed the divine order to avoid those teaching another doctrine, that's heterodoxy, neither the papacy nor the other sects, the radical reformers, could have arisen. Where there are no buyers, there is no market. Of course, unionism avers that it aims at the removal of discord among Christians. Unionists say, oh yeah, we're, we're trying to, to minimize the division. We're trying to come together. But because the unity of the Christian church consists in having one faith and one profession, unionism actually is a caricature Indeed, a mockery of Christian unity. Instead of healing the hurt, it makes it permanent. It's playing pretend when we're doing unionism. And it's a caricature. It is a caricature, caricature of unity. In 1 Corinthians 1.10, Peter says, we have an exact definition of Christian unity. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, That you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you. This is a demand for uniformity in speech, legane, or in the profession of the Christian doctrine. Then the apostle continues, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Here he clearly says that Christians are to use the same words, and also in the same sense. Agreement in words with disagreement in meaning is altogether contrary to the unity God calls for. And to seek such a unity, we agree to disagree, that kind of a thing is immoral, a trifling with sacred, divine things which is unseemly for Christians. I'm going to say that again. This point should be exaggerated, highlighted, magnified. Agreement in words with disagreement in meaning is altogether contrary to the unity of God that he calls for. And to seek such a unity as to agree to disagree, can't we all just get along? is immoral. That is, contrary to the law, it's a trifling with sacredness. What's truly being set apart, that's what the word sacred means. Divine things, which is unseemly for Christians. The Christian church, continuing with Peeper, can and should have patience with the erring. of course, yes, of course, and seek through instruction to remove the error, but never, Never can or should the church grant error equal right with the truth. If it does, it renounces the truth itself. You can't give equal footing to the lie and say, well, we're just being patient, we're walking with them. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. It is the very nature of truth to antagonize error Truth, which no longer excludes error, but grants it domicile, is thereby resigning as truth. It's corrupted. It's no longer truth. Pertinently, Luther remarks, whoever really regards his doctrine, faith, and confession as true, right, and certain cannot remain in the same stall with such as those who would teach or adhere to false doctrine." See, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. That's the point. Pieper, Luther, Walther, these guys got it. Today, not so much. We don't want to be known as the bad guy. We don't want to be thought as being schismatic, and that's the next section that Pieper takes up, schism. But we should remember from the October 8th episode and from Scripture that those who are remaining true aren't the cause of the division. It's those who have rejected Scripture, those who have moved away from Scripture that are causing the division, not those who point it out and want to hold true. Okay, we're out of time, my friends. Thank you for listening to Cross Defense. This show has been all about unionism. I hope you understand now more about why your church, your pastor, your congregation, the Missouri Senate, why we are so adamant about altar and pulpit pulpit fellowship, and how this is a loving thing to do for the sake of consciences and souls, for the sake of our neighbors, our bold, faithful witness to the world. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful November. We're just getting started, right? God bless it. Cross Defense is a production of KFUO Radio. Find past episodes and support Cross Defense at KFUO.org.